Hey, explorers. Thanks for tuning in to Eat, Drink, Explore podcast. My name's Day. And I'm Phil. We are foodies on a mission. Our goal is to help you expand your culinary knowledge. Join us on our journey of cuisine awareness. We release episodes every Wednesday and have bonus content available on our Patreon. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please take a moment and visit our Patreon page. Patreon members receive discounts on our merch, discounted tickets to our monthly supper clubs, and bonus podcast content. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now let's get started. Hey guys, so I have Jarrett Carpenter with me, and I'm a huge fan of his because whenever I like need to vent about something that's going on in the world, generally he's got the finger on the pulse. So I always want to just check in with him and see where he's at. And um, it's like therapeutic. So <laughs> with everything that's been going on in the world, I feel like I've been reaching out to you a lot. Um, and it's always been good for me. And this whole Goya situation has been one of those things where I'm like, I need to tap into some friends and find out where there are on the barometer. Cause I think different current event topics affect us differently. You know, some things we just don't care about. Some things are hit us hit a little closer home than it would for other people that we know. So I just needed to check in with you. Um, but I'd love for you to take a moment and just like introduce yourself to our listeners who might not know you yet and talk about your podcast a little bit. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Dave, for having me. Uh, it's good to be on this podcast. This podcast is great. I am not a foodie, but I, I like food. And so I always listen to your podcast and it always, I'm like, Oh, I, and the best part about the podcast is I'll listen to it and you'll talk about places that are, you know, I'm located in Beverly and you'll talk about some place that's, I don't know, in Lynn or in Salem that is so close to me, but I never knew about. And so it's good to hear about their cuisine, what they're doing, learn more about their backstory. And so, yeah, it's really good to be on the cast. I run a podcast called Wi-Fi and Water Podcast, and it's actually very new. I've recently started and I'll actually be putting out my 10th episode today. So we are just getting content out and it's great. Yeah. And I had Daybar and Phil was lucky enough to have them on for episode five. And we talked about COVID food industry, what people are doing, how they're navigating that. And uh, yeah, grew up in Beverly and have since spent time overseas, primarily in Guatemala and Colombia, Um, master's in international affairs. And I'm just kind of have my hands in a bunch of different things. And yeah, and Wi-Fi and Water is a podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Wi-Fi and Water Podcast. And it doesn't really have a niche it's not any particular podcast. So it kind of goes all over the place. Uh, but I think that that's the intersectionality of the world. And so I'm happy to be here. And what should I start talking about Goya? Actually, I would love to hear if you want to frame that more because the Goya thing to me is just, I don't know. It's like another day of news, another day of let's get everyone excited. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So at first, when I first heard, I first heard of it through the hashtag Goya away. Like that's how I heard about it. Like somehow ended up in my feed, um, probably on Instagram. And I was just like, Oh, what the hell is this? And I got into the rabbit hole of just like clicking through Twitter and Instagram and just watching some funny videos. And then I finally heard the press conference because before I was just like reading quotes and I just, my jaw dropped. Like, I don't think it happened. I don't think this is a moment that happened for everybody. Cause some moments everyone would be like, Oh my God, like this is what I was feeling too. But it like hit me sideways. My, my jaw just dropped. I just, I couldn't believe that the CEO of this international food brand, yes, it's headquartered, it headquarters are in the US, but it's 
was basically cultivated by an immigrant family from Spain. You know what I mean? Like at their roots, they're immigrants. And that's, you know, a huge part of their business and their culture. And hearing them, I, you know, I have the direct quote here because it just like stressed me out so much. So let me see if I can pull it up. Um, yeah. So he said, we are truly blessed to have him as a leader um, and that Trump is an incredible builder, end quote. And I just like got chills first of all. <laughs> and um, it was really stressful because I couldn't understand why this man who ran this company is talking about Trump as a builder um, and people in his community are literally hurting right now. So I know that's, that's what I took when I heard it and saw it. Um, what was your first take when you like when came across the whole thing? Yeah. And to be honest, I had heard about it peripherally uh, indirectly through having many friends who are Latinx on Instagram and social media and who are also advocate, you know, social justice advocates and are out and about always fighting for underserved and marginalized communities. These days, more prominently, it's like, yeah, black and brown communities in the United States and generally all over the world. And so when I heard about it, I wasn't surprised. The uh, people kowtowing to the president of the United States for financial and kind of getting good press uh, is is not anything new and people have done that, whether it's a political move or an economic move. And sometimes those are actually one and the same. I wasn't that surprised. And the thing I think I'm most interested about is I think people's misconception of who he is and why he doesn't stand up for, you know, the immigrant or the Hispanic community. And for me, it's like, he's an immigrant, like his, you know, I think his grandparents came over from Spain. So he, A, doesn't see himself as an immigrant because he's second generation. Um, I think he's removed himself from seeing himself in that, in that I'm an immigrant type thing. Um, And then the- I'm sorry to interrupt because I'm first generation immigrant, but you're saying something that I think might actually resonate to a lot of people. So I want to just highlight it for a second. Um, Because I think because I'm first generation, I do feel a huge responsibility to- pass that on to my son and just like be in my truth, be who I am. Um, so I don't understand the whole, I'm just second generation. So I'm not part of that. I don't like, I don't get that. Can you like explain that a little bit? And not to say that you fully understand. I'm just curious if you have an insight. Yeah. And I'm not sure I fully understand. I mean, I was okay. Quick, quick and dirty background on me. I was adopted from Colombia and raised on the North shore. Right. And so I'm not a first generation. I'm like a half generation you know? And so it's like a weird, and I'm also, I don't know, it's a strange thing, but I guess what I'm saying is I know many people who are second generation or third generation and they no longer see themselves as immigrants. Now, I don't know if it's the case with this particular guy. I'm sure that he speaks Spanish, um, you know, from Spain or whatever, but there are so many kids that we've grown up with on the North shore whose grandparents came over from Italy, came over from Spain, came over whenever they came over to this country then their parents maybe learned that language. But by the time it got to them, they just got a, you know, Italian last name, for example, but they don't speak Italian. They've never been to Italy. You know what I mean? So they're so removed from the immigrant experience. Um, And maybe by then their family has also built up some wealth. So -hmm. it's not like they came here with just the shirts on their back. It's It's, not their identity anymore. Yeah. It's no longer part of their, yeah, their like literal household cultural identity. It, it, It could be removed a little bit. So for me, A, that's where I heard it. So I'm not surprised that he's not standing up for immigrants or sees himself and self identifying with that. And then sees then when Trump says that like immigrants are essentially animals 
that doesn't, that's not like a red flag or a trigger for him to then stop him to go into the White House huh. and saying the words that triggered you. Okay, so I can understand it when it's put that way. But the part that disturbs me even more is like, okay, so fine. You don't see yourself as an immigrant, but you are CEO that literally is the head of a corporation, of a privately held business in the United States of America. But it's an international foods company. Like, you know, the people you serve are immigrants. Like, I don't, that's the part that blows my mind. The people who religiously purchase your products, like are, it's a, it's a household staple item, right? For them. They, they, you, you don't, you don't see their point of view. That, that, that's the part that really stressed me out because no matter what your views are, it's like, how do you not understand that? Yeah. And this is where the United States is dealing with a huge reckoning between like our corporatocracy and then the people that consume and everyone else who consumes, which is like you and I, and most of the people listening to this podcast. Um, the other thing I want to say about him is he's Spanish. And so there is a huge difference. And this is really good to make the, the denotion here on the podcast between Hispanic and Latino or Latinx. Hispanic means you come from the Spanish-speaking world. So I'm from Colombia, so I'm Hispanic. Someone from Mexico is Hispanic. But someone from Brazil isn't Hispanic. But someone from Spain is Hispanic, right? They're from the Hispanic-speaking world, one. Mm -hmm. Two, he's not Latin. He's not Latino because he's not from Latin America. And Latino and Hispanic are often conflated in the United States. Someone said, oh, he's Hispanic. Oh, he's Latino. Normally, they're not right unless they're talking about a person from Portugal, I'm sorry, excuse me, a person from Brazil who would be a Latino but not Hispanic because they speak Portuguese. So I think a lot of people too are like, how can this guy do that to the, to the Hispanic to the Hispanic community conflating it mm -hmm. with the Latino community? Uh -huh. And so therefore, it's like, so for me, like, I think he's in his mind, he's so removed from being an immigrant. So he doesn't self identify and see him in like La Lucha, like in the fight with those people. And then also, he doesn't see himself uh, as being a part of the Latino community. And I think there's also this strange hierarchy, because the world is broken up. Unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of racial divides all around the world. And Latin America is no different. Latin America has a crazy history with slavery. Yeah. Um, in Colombia, when I was born in the 80s, they had a way of giving people like, they like look at the baby and they're like, hmm, okay, this. And they, you know, they had at one point a hundred different skin colors that they would give you. And then that would like really put you in where you are in the hierarchy of race in Spanish colonial America. So him being from Spain, I just think he's completely removed from the immigrant identity now that, you know, I think he's second generation or he's far removed. If he's first generation, he's so far removed that he was like, you know, his family had this huge business that they came yeah. over to the United States and started. And also like, he's not part of the Latino community. He's not part of the Latinx community and therefore he doesn't care. Um, or he doesn't care. He doesn't self-identify and see himself. You know, like when you turn on TV and you see something bad happening to somebody that looks like you, it's a lot more striking, whatever that means. You know, um, if I'm a middle-aged woman, um, if I'm a middle-aged woman from Mexico and I turn on the TV and I see another middle-aged woman who looks like me, potentially from Mexico or Guatemala or Honduras, getting beat up by the police, I'm more likely to self-identify. I'm more likely to see myself there and be like, whoa. You know, and so I don't think he sees himself in the Latin community, but I think that's a really important thing to understand that he's Hispanic, but he's not Latino mm -hmm. and Latino and Hispanic are completely different things. And in the historical classism of Spain over Latin America, I just, 
he doesn't see himself because it's exactly what you're saying. You're like, you go into the quote Spanish food section in any supermarket in the United States and there's Goya products, right? And who are buying those Goya products? Definitely Latino people, people from Guatemala, people from Colombia, people from, you know, Mexico all the way to Chile and Argentina for sure. But I don't think he sees himself in that. And so for him, it's just about, this is what I'm surmising. I think it's just about profit. You know, it's the same way the NFL is run by like 31 white owners and it's 80% black players, right? So it's the hierarchy of how that works. And so the the white owners are like, we don't have to change anything if we're making profit. Now they're realizing they have to because the streets are calling and saying, hey, people are out in the streets saying, hey, what's up? And so I think that same reckoning is starting to happen all throughout not only corporate America, but the corporate world of people saying, whoa, exactly what you're saying. How can you not stand up for these communities? How can you go praise a guy who has vilified and basically created animals of, mm-hmm. to the Trump following of Latino, you know, hate crimes are on the up since Donald Trump came into town. For That's, Latino. Just facts, facts. <laughs> That's just facts. That's just facts. So, so, so I, so when I saw it, it wasn't too surprising, mm-hmm. um, but it has been surprising the way everyone seems to, you know, now have an opinion on this. And it, you know where, and how have you seen that? So what I love about what you just said is one, you have a, I love your perspective on it. I mean, you are from the Latinx community, so you, you would, you would have a definitely different, a slightly different perspective than me, but you just opened my eyes to so many things that I bury so far deep in my head, like that football analogy, hundred percent. Once you said that, it's like, I get it. Con- the conquistadors, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but like no, every, good. every, <laughs> every, every nation, most nations, right? Like at one point, um, for me, I'm from West Africa, right? Like you can just, just basically break up West Africa into different um, conquerors coming down and just fucking shit up, changing languages. And there's a huge history there behind that that affects um, ways of life, economics and food, everything down to art. It's insane. So when you say it like that, it's it's kind of, it's triggering to me, right? Because I was born in the Ivory Coast, which is a, uh, colonized by the French. Um, and my family's from Liberia, which they sent back black American slaves to start their own situation back there. So like, I, I can understand kind of like Spain coming in, doing their dirty work in Latin America and then being like, well, they're not like, you know, we don't really associate ourselves with them or, you know, only take the, the like, we only want to take the good stuff from that culture and none, none of the other stuff that comes along with it. Um, so in that aspect, I totally understand where he might be coming from. And just before we move on, I want to, I just jotted down a few notes about Boya because my podcast isn't always about facts. I won't say facts, but about like going into the history of things. It's usually just opinionated, yeah. but I do want to like lay down some facts that I thought were really interesting about this company. So the founder, um, his, his name is Prudencio Unenwe. And, um, it's, it's a family owned business. I mean, like they're just passing it down from generation to generation. They started up in um, Manhattan, New York in 1936. I think that was really interesting to me since 1936. Um, the headquarters are in Syracuse, New Jersey, current CEO, who was the one who made the statement, Robert uh, Unanwe, and he's been the CEO since 2004. Um, And right now, Goya is a $1.5 billion um, private American food company in the US. And that just blows my mind. Because if you think about that $1.5 billion, like who's really funding all that money? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, let's be real. And my part of my frustration is like, I, I respect businesses that understand like, these are my people. 
I can do, I do everything for these people because they support and back me. Everything I do is for these people. I want to lift these people up. And if somebody attacks these people, whether I believe it or I, you know, I, I agree with them or not, if it's not part of my people's beliefs, I don't, you know, I'm not subscribing to it. Like Nike, right? Like, let's be real. How many people are part of Nike who might not stand personally with Cap, but because of all the bullshit that happened and how they, they know how their people would react to Kaepernick, how they would support Kaepernick. And despite ever else, the right burning up Nikes, they knew it wouldn't affect their business as much as it would affect them if the people who supported Cap burned their Nikes. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> people who support Cap, like they buy, they buy Nikes like it's candy. Okay. And if anything, it probably pissed off enough people and it did celebrities to go and do like buyouts of Nike stores. And I respect businesses like that, whether I agree with your, um, whether I agree with, with your business practices or not, it's something to be said for businesses that back the people who fund them. You know, it makes me feel good because I'm investing in you that we hold generally the same beliefs. At least that's what, you know, that's what you hope for. And I think that's why it hit me so hard because one, I am a little bit further removed from the Latinx community. So I, and I didn't even think about the whole Spain versus, you know, Latin America um, energy that's there. Because I can totally understand between like Ivory Coast and France and stuff. Um, but it shook me because I was just like, this is disgusting. Like, what is going on here? Like, I buy those products. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're speaking for me. Like, I had to, and this is, I was going to talk about this later, but I like threw, I, I didn't have much Goya at the time because... I just, but I, I have a, I have an Instagram snaps and stories and stuff of me throwing out some of my Goya and some of it was full, like literally not Whoa. even, Phil and I, when we go to Goya is like part of our shopping list. Phil, Phil has found a new love for Goya because it's been in our cabinet since like day one of owning or having apartments and stuff. I mean, we make sure we never run out of Goya Saison. Like that is a staple. <laughs> okay. You got you gotta stay deep with the Goya. Listen, I was I was just like, what? I was like, he said, what? Like, I'm throwing all this out. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't cope. I couldn't cope. I'm sorry. It was just it really hurt. It really, really hurt. It did. You, you know, it's it's exactly what you just said. And I was looking to, I was looking through the New York Times article and, you know, founded in 1936 by his grandparents. And that's where I come with like the idea of the second generation, because many people in the Boston and New York area are second generation and they no longer self-identify with the immigrant experience. Right. And so it was good. I'm glad that you brought that data. I think that's really important too. And that's also pre-war and, um, it, it was an interesting time to definitely start a business. It was post-depression, pre-war. Uh, the United States was an interesting spot economically. And it's exactly what you said about, and that's what I was going to, when, when you asked me on the podcast, that's what I was going to draw. I was like, for as many people that burn their Nikes, there were probably more people that bought Nikes. Similarly, for as many people that did what you did and was like, yo, I don't stand for this. I need to literally cleanse, purge myself of these products now. There's all these people now on the right uh, and who are Trump supporters that are saying, buy Goya, buy Goya, you know, hashtag buy Goya trended. And so if anything, he, what he did was brilliant because he got, he got so much press that now there's a podcast in Massachusetts where two people are talking about it on, you know, on the podcast. So in some sense, he's kind of, you know, he, he played it well. And I thought was interesting in the New York Times article I read about this was that he said, you know what, when Michelle Obama wanted me to come on and talk about her like get fit program that she had 
for children, mm-hmm. um, talking about nutrition and how important that is to start at a young age. He's like, I didn't turn that down. He's like, basically, I just show up for presidents, which is interesting. And, and I think the simple question I would have for him is I'm like, yeah, but Michelle Obama and Barack Obama, their entire presidency, they never spoke ill about any community and especially not targeting the immigrant and Latinx community or the immigrant from Latino America communities and they called them animals and were displaced and literally ripped apart from their family who are part of the community that purchased your products. That's the part that blows my mind, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and I think long-term it's not going to go well and it wouldn't surprise me if people keep if that hashtag keeps trending like going away and if people keep staying on this and people stop buying stuff i mean we're in a global pandemic if people stop buying food like goya should be just absolutely thriving and so if this takes that away he's gonna have to step down and the board will have to remove him um, because there's no reason why they shouldn't be thriving during a global pandemic when people are now eating at home more often and they want to try new things. And so they're using Goya products to be able to diversify their home cuisine. Yeah. So I think long-term it's not going to sit well and it's especially not going to sit well before, before uh, our lives are over. Somebody from Goya will come out. I guarantee whether it's tomorrow or in 10 years and say, Hey, what he said is not aligning with our business. That community has economically propped us up mm-hmm. for generations 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 you know it's like the same thing right if nike doesn't come out against kaepernick you know it's like most of nike's big high level pro athletes that are signed to them are black right and so if they don't support the guy that kneels down and says hey we just we're looking for equality you know we're not we don't want anything more we just want equality yeah uh, if they don't stand up for him then they're kind of get saying you know a big f you to black america yeah and so they know what's going on and they do that. I mean, they, they gave LeBron James a billion dollar deal, right? So for them not to have done that and backed him, I know. you know, I, it just doesn't make sense. And so for Goya, I think Goya will have in the next couple of years, they're going to come hard around and they're going to pick up like, they're going to go for like um, Bad Bunny, J Balvin. They're going to have to get some people on their side <laughs> once they move him off yeah. and get him away from the brand. The brand will survive. I think his days are numbered for having said those things. So I love that you just mentioned cultural, pop cultural people who are of the younger age, like Bad Bunny and stuff. Well, not younger age, but just younger generation, influential. Uh, because I think that this situation might not affect. So my, like, I'm what from West Africa. Like, Goya is like part of our situation, okay? Because it, it spans across countries. It's not just like Latinx communities and Spain or whatever. Like, I mean, Jamaica, Africa, like, it's everywhere. It, it's I a global know, brand. It is. I know some Asian com- um, families that use it too. So, especially Southeast Asia. But my, my mom and my sister still have it. Like, I opened up their, their I opened up their pantry the other day and I almost like, like had a little PTSD real quick. And a part of me almost wanted to reach for the Saison and just like sprinkle it on my chicken, but I stopped myself. So I, I, I think for all some older generations who have been buying Goya for so long, it's literally a part of like, that's how they make those recipes. That's how they make the food. They wouldn't know what other products to trust. Cause once you've been with a company for that long, it's really hard to deviate. But for the younger cooks like myself who are really tuned in and, you know, have a vested, you know, are vested in, Goya because of the flavor and the childhood memories and stuff, but I can easily remove myself from it. Like, I'm, you know, it's like, I've only been cooking for so long. Um, I think, like you said, if it doesn't happen anytime soon, it will down the road. Cause 
myself, I'm trying to transition for flavor, for seasons. I'm learning how to make saison. I'm learning how to how to make adobo at home, like my own way. I've already looked into black businesses that have, that make spices and stuff. Like they're no longer going to be in my cabinet unless, or my pantry, unless some things literally change with our company. Um, some things I wanted to ask you though, really quick, um, are some, there's some, some things that people are saying, uh, uh, the arguments that I'm hearing. So some people are saying, well, they're giving $2 billion worth of canned goods or foods to families in need. Like why are, why would you stop buying, um, from a company that is supporting, um, you know, so-called the immigrant community or people who are in need? How, how, like, what would you say to that? What's your perspective? I mean, I would just say, yeah. And Donald Trump paid hush money to a porn star, right? It, everyone has their dollar margin and everyone will just quell other people. And the reality is a $1.5 billion company. And I read that they're going to give away 2 million pounds of different products to underserved communities and communities that are in need. 2 million pounds. Let's say each pound is a dollar, which is probably, we'll say it's $2. So you're looking at $4 million. They're going to put it through either their foundation or they're going to basically be able to tax write it off. So it actually looks better for them and it's better for their PR. And it creates the exact side of that. Well, they're doing good things. Why would you not want to support them? The reality of it is it's better for them to do that because they're probably going to get tax write-offs. They're giving it through foundations or nonprofits that are working on the ground. And at the end of the day, they're probably... I, I don't know this, but I would assume as most food companies have, most food companies are doing really well in these last two quarters because of the pandemic because people are staying at home. So my feeling is that's just like, they're just doing that to, they're doing that for PR. They're not doing that because they really believe that and that's their mission. Because if they really did care about marginalized communities and all that, they wouldn't have sent their CEO to go praise a guy who is basically just trying to destroy marginalized communities, whether you're poor, black, brown, um, you know, you're handicapped, anyone on the fringes of society, LGBTQ community, this administration has really gone after not only verbally through tweets and in press conferences, but also through policy. Yeah. Um, legislation. It's disgusting. Yeah. So, I mean, I would just say everyone has their number and they're just trying to buy, they're trying to buy uh, curry public, strong public favor. It's a solid move. And I read that and I'm always just kind of like, okay. But like, if you think about what maybe $4 million, maybe it's probably actually less, let's say it's $2 million because for each pound and they're going to give it because it's theirs and it's wholesale, mm-hmm. $2 million to a $1.5 billion company is pennies on the dollar. That's like you and I donating $20 to the local food shelter. Yeah. It doesn't make well, us heroes. So there are two things that really stuck out of me. One, they make canned food products. So, I mean, that's like technically like shelf stable. Like how old is the stuff that they're trying to get away? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it could be, exactly. it could be exactly. It could, it could be near expiration. And they're like, oh, those are going to be done August 15th. Let's I mean, give those away. It's like stop and shop, throwing out everything out nice and like these clean garbage bins in the back. You can just go out and help yourself. Like, what's the big deal? Like it's not, it's literally shelf stable food they're talking about. Wouldn't these communities, because I know I would if it was, you know, whatever, I'm, I still feel like I'm part of the community. I would rather see them put that money towards helping people get to the polls, right? You're hearing about the pollsters not being able to, uh, being of older age. They're literally in some states are recruiting 16 year olds, you know, like adding to, to the wage increase. You get more people that, like where, how, there's so many better ways you could spend this money that could li- literally affect um, these families economically, which is more important than giving them a can of food. And that's what stressed me out. It's like, I mean, I, my family has been on the, you know, we've been on the ups and downs financially, like ever since I came into this country, you know, there's some good years and some bad years, just like some other families. But 
I'm telling you right now, somebody giving me a free can of food is not going to change my current situation. It's not going to make my life better. It's not going to help me get to college. Like none of that. So does that, is that as important to me? Absolutely not. Like you're not a food bank. So that, those are two things that really upset me. The fact that it's not, it's shelf stable food that they're giving away. And the freaking fact that it's not going to help raise wealth in these communities that have been supporting them and have made this family so freaking wealthy. It drives me crazy. Yeah. It's really, you know, giving food is, giving food is great. Like let's not, let's not take away. I I do think it's a good move that they're doing, but I think to use it as a counter argument to what they've said and the recent things that they're supporting, which is the Trump administration is, you know, a bandaid on a broken arm. It just doesn't do anything. It doesn't move the meter. And I don't think anyone's phased by it because when you do the math, $2 million, we'll say each, each, each product is a pound is a dollar just to make it easy, but $2 million for $1.5 billion company. Once again, if you do the math, it's just pennies on the dollar. It's like you and I giving $20 to a food bank and then think it's okay because we support, um, white supremacy. It's like, no, that doesn't cover that. Um, and yeah, you know, giving food is interesting because in Colombia, where I was at the start of the pandemic, that's what the government is currently doing. Um, because for many communities on the fringe, like they don't know their, you know, their food insecurity is high. And so they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And so that is a really important gap to fill. Um, but if it's not going to be something that you're going to figure out a way to make it a sustainable flow of nutrition then you're just kind of like sending out the $1,200 check in a pandemic once and then think you're doing a good job. So um, for, the, for the food thing though, for me, I feel like there's so many better ways to help people um, get good food. I mean, I, what I would love to see Goya do is try to get more um, community farms going. Like, yeah, maybe it might cut into their dollar, but not by much. And people aren't going to create Goya factories on their own off of a community farm. You know, like I would love to see more community gardens being built in and allow the people to learn how to care for the food. Like it's, it's insane what that will do for people. Absolutely insane. Um, and I don't know why more food companies don't do that. Like that's a great initiative. Yeah. And and maybe they do through like donating to other foundations and other organizations that they don't actually run. Um, It's tough to tell, but I totally agree. I think that there are other ways that they could definitely impact those communities, but kind of, as we talked about, they don't really care about those communities as long as those communities keep buying their products. And I think in three weeks, most people will go back once they get off their Goya kick, just like all the people who were so angry at Nike. I guarantee they bought Nike since like, you know, Nike has a pretty good foot in the apparel market. And so I, long-term, I, I, I'm interested to see what happens. I do think he'll be totally disenfranchised from the brand as, as you know, November is really important too, uh, because then, well, November is super important because if Trump is no longer in office and this administration is no longer in office, um, anyone who then tied themselves to that, it will, you know, the, the photo opportunity that Donald had where he put out the Goya products. Yeah, he put out the Goya products and he had his little thumbs up like he did when he was like, oh, I love Mexicans, Cinco de Mayo. And I'm like, you don't even understand what that date means in Mexican history. Um, he's not going to age well uh, in 10, 20 years, even sooner. I mean, for me, it's already like, you know, Hitler was supported by Volkswagen. You know, Volkswagen is, a, you know, a German company, etc. I think Audi also had stuff to do with the Nazis. They weren't proud of that, but they like discussed it. And it's, it's part of their history, but they left it behind and they've transformed but like Goya will have to reckon with that um, sooner than they want to, especially if Biden were to come in office, because then anyone who's tied to Trump, everyone's already turning on Trump. Anyone who leaves the office turns on Trump and just says how incompetent he is and how hateful he is. And so Goya is going to have to definitely reckon with that. But you know, the beautiful thing about Goya doing that is I guarantee 
there are small social enterprise startups and people that are making Sasan and like, you know, live in different communities, black and brown communities that see that. And they're like, oh, thank God, Goya. We're so happy you did that because we're trying to get in the market. But you have such a foothold <laughs> on the global spice economy and what yeah. people can buy at the lower end of the budget. Yeah. We're, as we've been trying to like also add in a very consumer grade uh, spice. And now you've opened it because now we can start pushing ads. We're like, yo, we support these communities. We love these communities. How can we ever not you know, support the communities that A, we're from and B, we know buy these types of products. So it will open up spaces for things like, you know, Goya to kind of diminish a little and other people to hop in. I yeah, that's a really good point. And, and also it's so true because I've never, I've never gone to that aisle. I, for me, it's called the Goya aisle. I've never gone to the Goya aisle and looked at other brands, but recently that's all I'm doing. That's literally all I'm doing. I'm like, oh, here's a can of Goya beans. Where are the rest? <laughs> you know, here's the adobo. Like what else is here? So, so you're so right. It's opened up the market. It's opened my eyes as somebody like who shops Goya products to see what else is out there. Cause for so long, I just believed in this, like, immigrant brand of food that was trustworthy and always really delicious, always really good. Come to, you know, and then, and then this bullshit. So yeah, hundred percent, the market's wide open. People like me are willing. If you make seasoning, let me know. I'm willing to purchase it. I'm ready. Yeah. And there's definitely brands that are out there and they're so happy and they're starting to see their stuff tick up and maybe they're even going to pivot their brand a little bit more to really, you know, pedal it towards the black and brown communities, you know, black the black economy in the United States is like billions of dollars. If just the black community is like, we're going to start buying this and stop buying this. It is overnight. Whatever company that is, will feel it. And the same thing with the Latinx community. If the Latinx community all get on board, it's hard to do that because they're so dispersed and diverse. Um, it, it, overnight, everything switches, everything changes. And um, we live in such a real time world. It's not like, Oh, now, when we look back on our books, we see that two months ago, this trend happened. It's like, no, everyone's using like different types of blockchain and other things. So people know instantaneously mm -hmm. if all of a sudden their orders and things are going down like on a national level and they can start to feel it. And Goya, that's definitely happening. Um, it would be, my, would be my opinion for sure. So I want to touch on culture, um, cancel culture just really quick because this is in effect basically cancel culture a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Because I'm hearing a lot of people saying, you know, it's so wrong. It's whatever. Because of this label cancel culture, putting, taking your money away for things that you don't believe in is now a bad thing. And I'm like trying to wrap my head around that. Uh, like, what are your thoughts on, on like, not yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, really great question. And like cancel culture, as you know, has been around for a long time. It's like, uh, it's not anything new, but I think it's new because part of What's America. That? It's part of American culture. That's how yeah, we got here. It, it's what cancel culture is capitalism, right? You're not down with something. You just look for something else and somebody else creates something else. Um, that's how capitalism works. Right. And that's how like the prices get so low because there's just all this variety and that's not the entire reason why all the prices are so low, but, um, Cancel culture really has come to the forefront over the last like week and a half because Donald Trump essentially has started to talk about cancel culture and why it's a liberal and leftist scourge on society. Um, and it's like Donald Trump has led the way in really making cancel culture a thing. Throughout his entire presidency, he has 
called out things and be like, we're not doing that anymore. Don't buy that stuff. Because a brand will come out and be like, the CEO will be like, Donald, you are a racist. And then he'll be like, oh my God, don't buy those soaps. They're such horrible people. Sad. So true. And so it's, it's like, my G, you started this and now you don't like your own stuff, dude. So cancel culture is going to continue. I have absolutely no problem with it. I am a person who is deeply rooted in voting with your dollar. Um, if you are not down with any part of a brand, then don't invest in it. There are other brands that are making that exact same thing and who are on the come up and who can absolutely cater to you. And they probably deliver to your house. So I am totally all about cancel culture. If you're not comfortable with something, then don't invest in it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't really buy a lot of Goya products, but I'm not going to now go start now. Um, <laughs> if someone is going to, you know, get on stage and basically do that little theatric performance to play to Donald Trump, when I know that Donald Trump has, you know, called Mexicans when the first thing he did was call Mexican rapists and criminals and all these things, things that absolutely are stereotypical. And they're absolutely not, you know, they're not aligned with 99.99% of Mexicans. You know, there are criminals, there are criminals and rapists in every single culture, right? But this fear of the immigrant, this fear of the brown person, this fear of someone who speaks different, this fear of, of, of the other, right, mm -hmm. is deep on the right. You know, when you come from a place of hate and, and, you know, hating the unknown, um, it's dangerous. And so no cancel culture, I'm all down with cancel culture. If that's, if, <laughs> if you're, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Like, for example, cancel culture, this is my personal cancel culture battle. Kanye West come out and he says dumb shit about slavery saying that it's an option and that, you know, for 400 years, it looks like an option. I'm like, my God, you weren't there. Dude, like, come on, how can you possibly judge these people? Like you're coming over in the middle passage, you're getting divided up from your family, you speak an African language and now you have to speak a colonial language that you don't know. Um, you are beaten, you are whipped, you work in the fields seven days a week under you know, 14, 15 hour days. Constantly scared, frightened. Yeah, constantly living in fear. Like mm -hmm. it's not, you know, it's not just like something from V for Vendetta, like that is life. <laughs> And then, so for him to say that, I was like, my guy, you can't say that. Like, who are you? Come on, man. He knows his platform too. And then him sitting down with Jim Brown, you know, famous NFL player, Kanye and Trump. And I'm like, that is exactly how Trump sees black people as entertainers and athletes wearing the make America great hat. I had to step back and talk to myself because Kanye college dropout was literally when I went to college. <laughs> that was 2005. And so I love Kanye. Um, I love his music. I think he literally has a line, name one genius that ain't crazy. He is crazy, right? And he is a genius. Um, and so, but I had to step back and I have not listened to anything since he made those slavery, basically in my mind, I'm like, since he made those slavery comments, anything since he's made new, I haven't listened to. Yeah. Um, or I've really, you know, I, I try not, avidly try not to listen to. And it's the same thing with like, once you learn about what Michael Jackson was doing to younger children throughout his entire career, I think you have to step back and say, should we be playing that at weddings, right? Once you know what R. Kelly did to young women by enslaving them and basically keeping them as slaves, sex slaves, you no longer hear R. Kelly at weddings. I don't think there's a problem with that. I think once you know somebody, their brand aligns with something that you're not down with, stepping away from that is a normal evolution. That's what we do. You know, I'm down with bees. I think they're beautiful. And then they sting you. And then you're like, mm, I'm not down with bees. Like, bees over here, like bees in the trap. So <laughs> I just think cancel culture is the way humans evolve, right? We learn 
and then we make new decisions. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like if you were all on board with Trump and then he did something that, you know, and then he made an anti-Semitic remark and you're Jewish and now you're not on board with Trump. That's, that's all you, that makes sense. And so he doesn't like cancel culture because he is so hateful and he just offends everyone that everyone wants to cancel him. Um, These are all my takes. I don't know if they're right, but it's like cancel culture is just the way the world works. You know, like day is going to a restaurant and day and Phil get a, get a reservation and then they go and then they're like, Oh, we can't find your reservation. Oh, Oh, we find your reservation. And then they sit you by the bathroom. Right. Well, day and Phil are now not going to go back to that restaurant. Right. That's just voting with your dollars. Just being a, a, a sensitive and uh, values based consumer and you want to get the most value out of your dollar. So if you're not going to have a good experience or that brand aligns with something you're not down with, why would you invest? You know, the frustrating thing for me is boycotting used to, used to be so praised by the American culture, you know, like the, the uh, dumping of the tea, right? Revolutionary. <laughs> there's so many things. Slavery. There's so many things that people decide we're collectively not going to do this anymore to make for a better world. And it's always been a good thing. And now it's like you're made to feel like if you subscribe to that, it's a bad thing because of this term cancel culture. So that that really frustrates me. And I want people to remove themselves from the phrase cancel culture. And like you've been saying, just voting with your dollar. Like you can only control what you do as a person walking this earth. And if for me, not buying Goya helps me sleep at night, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not over here like trying to rally people together, you know, to like all of us, like whatever. And, And people who are doing that, that's fine too, but that's not what I'm trying to do. So I don't want anyone to feel bad for not purchasing something because they don't want to be a part of cancel culture because it doesn't, that's not a thing. (laughs) You know, you you either like something and you put your money towards it or you don't like it and you don't put your money towards it. That's your, that's, that's up to you as a human being. Like that's just how it works. So, and that's why I'm doing this podcast because I don't want, I, one, I want it to vent (laughs) and I, (laughs) but also because I don't want people to feel guilty about like, not if you don't agree with something, putting your money there. Like that's, that's how the world works. Okay. And Donald Trump knows that. Like he, he, he invests in things. You don't freaking believe in something. You don't put your money there and, and watch your money fall. Like, you know, like that's not what you do. That's not like a smart way to operate (laughs) at all. So yeah, frustrating. So frustrating. Yeah. And it is interesting to see that exactly what you said, we carried a new buzzword, which is the same as way of saying like people are consumers, you know? Like if you fly on American Airlines and they lose your bag, you're not going to fly on American Airlines anymore. And you're going to get on Facebook and say, don't fly American. Simple. You're not canceled culture. You just had a really shitty experience as a consumer. And if you're paying for a service, you want that service to be executed at a good level. So cancel culture just is a way for people to, I don't know, have a new buzzword and I don't know, feel excited about something. <laughs> Do you, are you taking away anything from this conversation that's been brought up, you know, with the whole Goya situation? Is there, is there a t- major takeaway for, for you? I think the Goya thing is I'm just interested to see my, my takeaway is like, is listening to you and talk about how, how Goya has been such a big experience in your life. Um, where, you know, you can go back to Ivory coast, right? You could go back and be over there and you're traveling there with Phil and burrito. And you're like, Oh, we need to make some food tonight. You know, you can go down the street and probably get the same Goya that you can when you're in Salem or you're in Tingsboro or you're in Chicago or New York or Miami or in Bogota, Colombia. And 
I think because it is accessible and it's a global brand, I'm very interested to see um, how long people go with this no Goya thing. Um, not saying you particularly, but just people who have such a long history of it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden for this to happen, it's sometimes cancel culture can be really difficult to, for people to, to do. You know, if you've been wearing Nikes all your life, right, but you also hate what Colin Kaepernick did, I feel like you're going to continue to wear Nikes. You, you know, so I'm interested to see, you know, what your journey is on that. And I think that there are ways to make your own Sasson that are going to be honestly better. And like, I think everyone listening to the podcast is like, when is there going to be fill in days like Sasson? And then people can just get that, you know? Um, so, yeah. My biggest takeaway actually comes from this conversation I just had with you because I, I walk in my lovely shoes as an immigrant in the United States of America. And for some reason, I didn't do my homework to learn more about this man and his family. And now I'm like, holy shit, systemic racism. And it's like, honestly, people don't want to talk about it anymore. It's never been so blatant on my TV screen before. Like, how systemic is this that this family from Spain migrates to the United States, starts up a food co um, company that is literally like just thriving because of the Latinx community and other immigrants from other parts of the world. And somehow just forget that, like those are the people who've been supporting them the whole time, you know, and, and maybe even forget their value. Right. Which is like such a systemic thing to do when you literally come, you know, not his family in particular, but actually maybe his family in particular conquered an entire nation of people, you know, nations of people. So that actually is my biggest takeaway from this, that people can literally re remove themselves mentally from that situation, but still live it and not even realize it. Like he stood up there and he called Trump a builder. And you were like, dude, what the, like yeah. what the actual fuck are you saying right now? Yeah. That's, it's quite crazy. It's and crazy. And, and, and I think it's, it's what you said. That's actually a takeaway. That's a takeaway. That's one of my big takeaways from this is that reminding myself that the immigrant experience in America, it's not the same experience for everyone. Uh, people coming from Africa, people coming from Latin America and people coming from Europe have a vastly different experience. Even if you just take someone who is from Spain and someone who's from Colombia and they're, some of the, and they're from the same family, even getting in through immigration and customs is different because of the passport they have, even if they're twins. Um, and so the immigration story of people here in the United States uh, is just, you know, in the late 1900s, early 20th century, it was a lot of Europeans. Um, and then, you know, in the last 30 or 40 years, it's been, and then the last 30 or 40 years, it's been a lot of, you know, Latinos and Africans. Um, and in and around the mid 20th century, it was Asians uh, when, they, when, when they came over. And so that experience has always been different, but the experience is definitely varied depending upon where you come from, you know. Um, it's kind of the way it is. Yeah. Is but it's hard for us, I think, sometimes, especially when it comes to racism and whether it's food or racism in the NFL or racism uh, and, you know, the shirt we want to buy because the CEO says something, we have to start to deal with the historical, uh, the, the history first, then we can deal with the present and then we can move forward. But a lot of times we're not talking about the historical scars, you know, and yeah. we're just trying to meet it. We're trying to meet everyone where they are right now. And it's a really tough conversation to have. Um, is what I'm seeing. All right. Well, I'm so glad that you had time to talk to me today because I actually feel a little bit better. <laughs> and I also feel like I have a better understanding of the bullshit that's happening. And 
um, better because I, I got it. I first, I understood when I first watched it, what was happening, but like, I feel like I not even sympathize, but I, and now it makes sense why he said the things he does. And I'm looking at Goyas completely in a different light. Um, but thank you so much. So if we want to listen to your podcast, where do we go to hear all the fun things you guys talk about? Yeah. So we are on probably wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Spotify, Apple podcasts, and it's just Wi-Fi and water podcast. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Jarrett. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you really enjoy listening to our podcast, take a moment and leave a review. Your reviews make it easier for others to find our podcast and other streaming platforms. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. See you in the next episode. Our intro music was produced by Majid Shana. You can find Majid on Instagram at majgotbeats. That's M-A-J-G-O-T-B-E-A-T-S. Thank you.